theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Come on and give Him praise. Come on and tell Him, Lord, I'm building my life upon Your love, upon Your goodness, upon Your Word. Hallelujah. Come on. My hope is found in nothing less than the blood of Jesus Christ and His righteousness. Do you feel that way this afternoon? Come on and give Him praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm so thankful for the presence of the Lord that we feel in this place. So thankful for each of you that have come together this holiday weekend. And I'm excited to share with you the beginnings of a brand new series. I don't normally do a lot of series on Sunday. Uh, as a matter of fact, I typically only do one or two. Uh, the most recent one I've done was the kingdom. And that just got away from me because the kingdom is here. And I probably preached that for like 10 weeks in a row. Praise God. Uh, and I think I might, you know, break out the kingdom probably once a year. Because I feel like we need to understand the assignment of this house is the kingdom. That's all we're interested in is the kingdom. We have a kingdom mandate. We have a kingdom message. And we need a manifestation of the kingdom. But for the next few weeks, I want to talk to you about really living a generous life. And I cannot wait to share this with you because I really do believe it is going to greatly alter the trajectory of Extraordinary Church. You know, we say it by faith as a young church plant. We believe we are the fastest growing church in Canada reaching the world. We believe that for the glory of God, not because we're anything special. This is not built upon a personality. This is not built upon Jordan. This is not built upon Antricia. This is built upon the Word of God. And he said the gates of hell shall not prevail. He said it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so as long as there's one person who doesn't know Jesus Christ, the church is too small. So I'm so excited to share with you uh, today what the Lord has laid on my heart. Before I invite you to open up your Bibles to the, uh, to the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Mark, I want you to get your Bible in the air and open up your Bible app, whether it's your Bible app on your tablet. If anybody's breaking out an iPad, you must be a serious note taker, praise God, or a tablet. That's okay, I ain't mad at you if you're breaking out a tablet, or you got your phone, or if you have your Bible. I like flipping through the pages, praise God. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm an e-reader too, but go ahead. You ready? This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Praise God. Let's go ahead to Mark chapter 5, and let's look at verse 21. The gospel of Jesus Christ according to Mark. Chapter 5, and we're going to, I'm going to read a few passages in your hearing today. I feel like we're, we're in alignment with what God wants to do. I was in prayer today and in study, and as I was, that song that Bella and the team just sang came on, and I began to feel the presence of the Lord, and I feel like the Lord told us to, to sing that song today, and I didn't want to change anything. 
And uh, so I didn't say anything to our team and to Sarah. And lo and behold, some changes needed to be made. And uh, she said, why don't we sing this song? And I said, well, that's the will of God. Praise God. And so I give God praise for what he's doing. I feel like we're getting into alignment. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. I know it's already been said, but if you're a first-time guest, we are so glad you're here. And I want to personally invite you to stop by our guest reception. We've got donuts and coffee and tea, and it's a chance to meet some folks on our staff and a chance to get better connected with you and others that are thinking about exploring Extraordinary Church to be their home. Mark 5, 21. When you got it, say, I got it. Okay, praise God. If you don't have it, say, I don't. All right. That means I give everybody plenty of time. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him. And he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. What a dilemma. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she said if only I may touch his clothes I shall be made well there is something about the power of a made up mind praise God immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction (laughs) And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, now you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter your faith has made you well go in peace and be healed of your affliction one more passage and then we're done go to Romans chapter 12 verse 2 very popular passage no doubt Romans chapter 12 verse 2 and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to talk to you today. We talk about a generous life the next few weeks. I want to preach to you today about awareness. Awareness. Would you help me pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, I release the gift of faith in this place today. I'm so thankful for, I believe, we've assembled from the four corners of the greater Toronto, Hamilton area to be in your presence, to hear what you have to say. Anoint these lips of clay. God, help me to preach and serve as the microphone of heaven. Let no flesh glory in your presence, but let your perfect will be done. Anoint me to preach, anoint the hearer to hear, open our understanding, do what you want to do, God, and you'll get the glory and honor. Increase our awareness, and we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Amen. Praise God. Well, you know, 
Google is a powerful thing. When you want to know what you need to do, you can just Google it. You can either Google it or you can YouTube it. And if you were to do a Google search for a weight loss pill, do you realize you would get over 150 million results, Pastor Barry, in one second? In one second, 150 million results would come back to you. Millions of websites make the promise of a better body just by taking one pill. Praise God. I need that pill in my life. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Even more stunning is the fact that we buy into it. Y'all acting like, y'all Y'all know we're the perfect church for imperfect people. You know you done done something. If it wasn't a pill, it was some sort of gimmick. Praise God. You know what? Over 33 billion, not million, billion dollars were spent on various weight loss products in the United States of America. And yet 40% of Americans are overweight. I think we can come to the conclusion that our world is full of miracle cures that never deliver on what they promise. Most of us are skeptical when we see something like that, and we're like, uh, it's, it's probably too good to be true. I mean, you, you, you get the ads on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, you're like, am I really going to look like that if I do intermittent fasting? If I really do your seven-minute workout, am I really going to look like that? Probably not. So with this in mind, this afternoon, I'm going to offer you something that is going to radically improve your life in every way. It'll make you happier. It'll make you healthier. It'll make you more fulfilled. It'll make you live a life of legacy lasting far beyond your lifetime. And before you tune me out, the reason why so many people go for the miracle weight loss pill, even when they know it won't work, is because deep down, they want the best possible version of who they can be. We were all created by God with the desire to be fulfilled, to be happy, to live for something more than just our own stories. We're on a search for significance and fulfillment, and today I want to offer you a pathway toward the life you have always wanted. And the good news is this, it's not in a pill. I don't need your credit card number to get it. It's simply one word. That one word is generosity. <laughs> That's okay, praise God. I knew it would be like, oh God, what is he about to say next? I'm sitting there, I'm going to show you from Scripture how we can live generously. And how it can open up the floodgates to us being the best version and experiencing the best life that God has for us with purpose and impact. And as I get into it, let me just tell you what generosity is not. Generosity is not just your money. So you can have a sigh of relief. You might be sitting there thinking, oh, great, just uh, this man, he just said he's going to preach on generosity, and here we go, money, money, money. Little OJs, money, 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 money. Y'all too young, praise God, praise God. Pastor Barry with me, though. He, he took it up. <laughs> go ahead, Pastor B. Anyway, generosity has so much to do, so much more to do with than just your money. Is money a part of it? Absolutely, clearly. But a generous life is a life about being generous in a variety of ways. 
I want you to stop and think about it for a moment. And all the ways that we can be generous. We can be generous with our thoughts. We can be generous with our thoughts. Are we generous with the way we think about people around us? Okay, I'm going to help you all right now. Have you ever been to the store and you're like, oh, my God, what is wrong with that person in the store? Why are they wearing what they're wearing? Why are they dressed like that? You know what? The Bible tells us, hey, that we have to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. But oftentimes, we don't give people the benefit of the doubt. And the reason why you don't give people the benefit of the doubt is you have not learned to be generous with your thoughts. This is why we can be so critical. This is why I pray daily. Lord, I declare I'm going to see and believe the best in others. I have to tell myself, I have to renew my mind and declare I'm not going to pick the negative. I'm not going to be critical. I'm going to see the possibilities of what God wants to do. And can I tell you, it starts with how you think about others. We have to consider how we think about others. And before we can think about others the right way, I'm going to mess you all up. It starts with how you think about yourself. And you can't properly see yourself until you understand how God sees you. This is why you cannot allow Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat or whomever's got the latest reality show to tell you how you should look and live. You have to understand that you are not of this world. Once you've been born into the kingdom, you have an identity, and your identity is not in this world. Your identity is in kingdom and in Jesus Christ. And when you understand that, you'll begin to have a right view of who you are. And when you have a right view of who you are, you'll have a right view of who others are. God did not robe himself in flesh to die on a cross and raise himself up on the dead on the third day for a piece of junk, for a blob who just came out of an atom. I'm telling you, your life has purpose. I'm telling you, you have destiny. I'm telling you, you have eternal value. And he came for you. He came for me. And so, therefore, we have to learn to be generous with our thoughts. Praise God. Sometimes you, you have to realize as a man thinks in his heart. And isn't it interesting how you think of others so they are to you? Well, let me. I, I told myself, don't spend a lot of time on this particular, because I won't get done. But anyway, let me tell you how else we can be generous. We can be generous with our words. The book of Proverbs says, careless words stab like a sword. But the words of the wise bring healing. Woo, praise God. Do you want to use your words to bring healing to people around you? Do you want to build people up or you want to tear people down? And isn't it interesting? I had this thought not too terribly long ago. You could say, and I'm not talking about flattery because you got you to be careful with flattery. But isn't it interesting that you can build people up and in just one moment you could say one thing that could tear everything down? You and I have got to learn to speak life and to build people up. Let's be generous with our words. And notice the pattern here. You can't be generous with your words until you're generous with your thoughts. And when you're generous with your thoughts, then you'll be able to speak and declare some things that will bless and encourage people. I want to be a part of a life-giving community that will build people up, not tear people down. 
The world is doing a good enough job as it is, tearing people down and deconstructing people. But when they come to the house of God and they feel like they need to be a part of what God is doing at Extraordinary Church, I want to build people up. I'm not here to tear you down. I've got good news. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he wants to love you and encourage you and build you up, and God has a purpose for your life. Build people up. I'll never forget, you've heard me say this, but it's so true. And I, I'll never forget when I first came to faith in Jesus Christ, I was like, whoa, God is real. I was tripping. But I never thought that God would want to use me. The thought just never crossed my mind. And I'll never forget when Mama Fuller just looked at me. I call her Mama Fuller. But she just, woman from Richmond, Virginia. Y'all, you'll probably never meet her maybe on the other side of glory. But you know what? She said to me, she said, baby, I believe God's going to do something great in your life. And just those words hit me like a ton of bricks. It made me think to myself, wait a second. Could God want to do anything with me, let alone be great? And I don't know what defines great, but I like the idea of God getting glory out of my life and using me. Can I tell you, be generous with your words. Bless your families. Bless your children with your words. Bless your spouse with your words. Bless your neighbors with your words. Bless those you work with. Be a blessing to someone. You can be generous with your money. Every time we give financially, it softens hearts and softens our hearts, and we become more like Jesus. Can I just make it plain? Giving money takes the focus away from us, and it puts the focus on others. We can be generous with our influence. Most of us would not be here today if someone had not made the choice or the decision to be generous with their influence. We all have influence. Whether you want to believe it or not, we are all leaders in some form or fashion. You have the ability to influence people in your world, whether it's networks, connections, colleagues, family. Are you using your influence to bless others? Is this helping somebody this afternoon? Praise God. We can also be generous with our time. Sometimes the best thing we can do for another person is taking the time to stop and help. Stop and listen. Stop and celebrate. Are you using your time in a generous way? We can be generous with our attention. I'm talking to myself now. We live in a world that is operating with an attention deficit. But can we be generous with people with our attention? Are we on our phones constantly when we're with others? Have we felt that you all felt that power of someone who is fully present? You ever met somebody that just makes you feel like, man, they make me feel like I'm the only one in the room. And then you meet with some other people and they're looking all over the place. They're about five different directions, and on top of that, they're looking at their phone. Can I tell you, let's be fully present. Let's be generous with our attention. Let's give people our undivided attention. Let's not, well, praise God. And then something else. We can be generous with our belongings. All the stuff we have, we can use it to bless others in creative ways. You see my point? My point is, generosity is not just about money. 
Generosity is about your entire life, the totality of your existence and everything that God has entrusted to you, using it to bless those around you. Do you understand this is what he said to Abraham? I am going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great. And those that bless you, they're going to be blessed. And those that curse you, they don't want to deal with you. He called us to be a blessing and this is what God has called us to do. We are the heirs of Abraham. We need to understand that it is our chief responsibility to be a blessing. Praise God. Everything we own, everything we are, everything we're connected to. So it's not about money. And so since we know it's not about money, I can make this statement. I'm going to shout on this one. Generosity is for everyone. Generosity is for everyone. You don't have to have a ton of money in the bank. You can have very little in the bank. The point is generosity is for everybody. You don't have to be a millionaire to be generous. Let me just give you a spoiler right now. The requirements for generosity are really, really simple. Really simple. Are you ready? You might want to put this in your phone. Identify an opportunity and take action. Identify an opportunity and take action. It's that simple, Elvis. Your life can be completely transformed by the power of generosity. If you are willing to become intentional in identifying the opportunities around you and taking action on those opportunities. And here's the bonus. If you do this, you'll have a profound impact upon the world in which you live. Praise God. Somebody give Jesus praise. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about living the generous life. And I'm going to share with you a few things. Today I'm talking about awareness. Next week I'll be talking about action. And then I'll be talking about impact. And if we're going to unpack these ideas, I believe in doing so, God's going to transform our lives and our church through the process. So the first step toward a generous life is awareness. Everybody say awareness. Stop and think about how many things we experience on a daily basis. Think about the sights, the sounds, taste, touch, and smell. Think about all these things. And if we were to try to put a number on how often we use our senses, it would be impossible to do it. Science and research tells us that our senses never stop working. Even when we are asleep, we are literally sensing things all of the time. I was, I was taking a little nap, like a power nap. I was like, yo, I, I think I said something like to me or whatever. I was like, yo, 15 minutes, that's all I need. And she had come in, and before she could say anything, I was like, huh. you know how somebody, you ever had that moment where you kind of stand over somebody and you're like, because I could sense she was there. Even though I'm asleep, I could sense that. Our bodies never stop experiencing. Our senses are always working. But this is why we can also just overlook a lot of things that happen on a daily basis. It's possible for us to experience hundreds, if not millions, of things every day and only be aware of a few of them. Not convinced? Think about this. Who are the last ten people you saw today? Who are the last five people that you spoke with? Who and what did you talk about? 
If you're anything like me, it's quite hard to remember. The point is, we experience things on a daily basis without being aware of those things. Our brain's effort tries to categorize our experiences, making it even harder for us to fully be present and fully enjoy everything that we experience. Yet when we look to Scripture, we see Jesus who never misses an opportunity. Now, watch this. He has this ability to maximize opportunities for impact and generosity. And I'm going to show you one. Look at verse 21 of the fifth chapter of Mark. They'll put it on the screen. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and the great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, let me just give you a little bit of context here in the account of what we're reading. This comes right after Jesus heals the dude, the demoniac who was possessed with devils. It's a very intense encounter in the life of Jesus very similar postures. If you remember, the demoniac comes and kneels down and bows at his feet too, just like Jairus does on the other side of this coast. And Jesus barely had time to get out of the boat in both instances. Whew, Jesus, this will preach. This is another thought for another time. But the moment he put his foot on the earth, something changed and people knew who to go to. That's another thought for another time. But you need to know the moment he steps in your situation, it can turn around. I don't care how bleak it is. You might think it's over. You might think you're on death's door. But I want you to know the moment he puts one foot in your situation, life is there. Hope is there. Peace is there. All you need is one foot from Jesus to step on the scene. You can know that hope and change is on the way. So, shows up and Jairus falls down at his feet. It's a moment that nobody could miss. It's right in front of you. It's a very urgent, pressing situation. As a matter of fact, the disciples probably were thinking, oh God, here we go again, another possessed man. But no, they could see the horror and they could see the fright and they could see the concern and the hope. All of the juxtapositions of feelings in Jairus' face are right there on display as massive headlines for the disciples and the throngs of followers to read. And he says, I've got one request. Come to my house and heal my daughter. And Jesus responds. He drops what he's doing and immediately goes with Jairus. But here's where it gets interesting. Look at verse 24. So Jesus goes with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. As Jesus is heading toward a very obvious opportunity to minister, he's confronted by a much more subtle situation. The Bible tells us this woman in the crowd who was bleeding for 12 years, the woman went to the doctors and was promised solutions to her issues, but nothing worked. 
As Jesus is walking by in the crowd, this woman makes a very bold and desperate decision. She reaches out and touches the bottom of uh, edge or the hem of his garment, if you will, his clothing. And as soon as she does this, she is miraculously healed. Let me just push pause and just say something. There is something about a desperate person. When you are desperate, you will get what you are looking for. There is something about somebody who understands I've tried every physician. I've tried homeopathic remedies, and they haven't worked. I've tried medicinal advancements, and they haven't worked. I've had enough, and I don't care what anybody thinks about me. If I've got to walk through the crowd on hands and knees, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know it will be well. There's something about a desperate person who says, I won't sit down. I can't shut up. I'll lift my hands. I'll scream. I'll hoop. I'll holler. But I'll do what I have to do because Jesus, Jesus is in the house, and if he's here and I can touch him, I will be made well. I like to be around desperate people, people who are not worried about obstacles, people who know that possibilities are there, people that know all things are possible when Jesus is here. Are there any desperate people in the house? We got to be desperate for him. As soon as she does this, she's miraculously healed. It's important that we don't miss the context of this story because Jesus is headed towards an urgent opportunity. And the opportunity is obvious. Jairus' daughter is dying. It involves important people too. Time is of the essence. And right in the middle of this opportunity, he encounters another opportunity. So subtle, so small, so insignificant. Somebody crawling on the ground to get to him. None of us would blame him if he kept going. But look at how Jesus responds. Verse 30, and Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her and who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Look at verse 30. Put verse 30 back up on the screen, team. I believe this is so profound here as it relates to living a generous life. The Bible says Jesus turned around in the crowd. See, what Jesus is demonstrating here is remarkable awareness. In the middle of an urgent moment, in the middle of a large crowd, throngs of people, what does he do? He doesn't miss an opportunity. He turns around and acknowledges that there is a need in the house. And the disciples are completely shocked by the response. They can't believe that in a crowd of people with everyone bumping up against him, somehow Jesus would have the awareness to single out one dying woman who was insignificant when compared to Jairus and his daughter. Whew. How in the world does he do this? How was he so aware of what was happening around him that he didn't miss a moment to be generous with this woman who was desperate? There's an important question for the church today. 
because we are followers of Jesus Christ. And he is our blueprint. He is our example. In other words, if Jesus was aware of the needs of others, so should we be aware of the needs of others. And most of us, I get it, live very fulfilling, busy, demanding lives. And we have things coming from us from every single direction. Some of these things are incredibly urgent. Some of these things involve important people. And some of these things are right in our faces. Yet, how do we as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ have the same awareness that he had with this woman? I'm going to give you the answer, but before I do, I just want you to think about this. I want you to think about it. Because oftentimes, we're walking around. The walking dead. And we don't even take time to recognize the opportunities right in front of us. Let me tell you what happens. The moment you and I become aware, awareness activates generosity. Awareness activates generosity. The first step to living a generous life is to becoming more aware of what's happening around us. People who are successfully living generous lives seem to have their antennas up all of the time. Everybody like under 25 is like, what in the world is an antenna? Praise God. Y'all, you know, back in the day, y'all don't know nothing about this. Absolutely nothing. Because before cable TV was out, praise God, and only syndicated television, you would, get, you would get four channels. At least that's what we would get in the States. It was really three. And then Fox came out a little later, praise God. It was channel 35. Six, eight, 12, and 35. You would have to get an antenna, boys and girls. I feel like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Well, boys and girls, let me... An antenna was, uh, it's these two long metal poles that are really, really slim, like the size of a pencil. And it's extendable, so it looks like this, but then you can extend it out. And what you would have to do is get it tuned in, and the more tuned in, the clearer, tuned into the signal, the clearer the picture would be. Anybody know what an antenna is? Praise God. Okay, all right, praise God. All right, thank you. Thank you, praise God. JP is like, what is an antenna? You know, we used to have antennas on our cars. Y'all ain't ready for that. Praise God. Praise God. We used to have antennas. You, you, you used to be hot because you'd be like, man, once you get about 30 minutes outside of the city, you would lose your favorite radio station. Praise God. But that's something, y'all not, not ready for that conversation. But you know what? Uh, the antenna would pick up the signals. But if we're going to hear me, hear me, the throngs of the people, you got to hear me. Here's all the chaos. Jesus is coming from healing, delivering a demoniac. The throngs of the people are following him. A crowd is buzzing in the air. And yet his antennas are up. The question is, I know a lot's going on. I know you got school and I know you got work and I know you got relationships and I know you got all this stuff going on. But are our antennas up? Because the only way we're going to cut through sensory overload and identify opportunities to be generous is when we learn to have our antennas up. Understanding that we're on a kingdom assignment. Not my will be done, but your will be done. 
And the disciples are right. Everybody and their mama was touching Jesus. Everyone. And in the same way, you know what? We intersect with people all the time. But unless we develop the ability to be aware, then we'll never develop the ability to be generous. Oh, God. Help us, Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, sometimes we can be hurt or so self-consumed or self-obsessed that we're not even aware of what's happening around us. Why don't we just begin to lift our hands and just talk to the Lord for a moment and say, God, help me to be aware. Help me to be aware of what's happening in my world. Help me to be aware of what's happening in my community. Come on, Extraordinary Church. Help us to be aware because we have a purpose. Our purpose, we exist to help ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you because you're probably like, okay, well, what can I do? I don't know about you, but I just believe, Elvis, I want to experience everything in this book. I believe it. I believe it. And if we, I want you to hear me. I'm going to say something that, that might offend some people. But if you are not experiencing what's in this book, then your Christianity is counterfeit. If you and I are not experiencing what's in this book, then the Christianity that we are experiencing is fraudulent. It is a man-made religion. But the moment we tap in to what God is saying and what God is doing, we will experience what God says in his word, and that is his will. I don't want to live some routine, route, mundane, mechanical existence. I want a move of God that can shake everything that can be shaken. And you might be telling me, how is that going to happen? I'm going to tell you why not. Let's get in the book and experience what God has for us. I want a move of God. I want an awakening. So here's what we have to do. Every morning, before you look at Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok or Facebook or email or text messages, you pray. Every morning, ask God to make you more generous. Woo. And remember, I'm not just talking about money, but when we're talking about generosity, all of a sudden your antennas hear me. Oh, my God, I need you to hear me. There is no way that you and I will be able to be, I'm going to pull a Josh Resar. You know, Josh just, praise God. I see how y'all look when my man comes, y'all be like, this whole that's my boy. They, they already know, praise God. <laughs> it's good. You don't want to miss next week, too. It's going to be amazing. He's going to tell his story. I said, bro, I just want you to tell your story. Praise God. He don't, he don't fool with anything on the internet, so I know he don't. He's one of my dear friends. I want you to come and just tell your story. I do believe you're going to learn something powerful, and then we'll pick up on our series. But I, 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 I want you to understand, we can't experience routine Christianity. There's too much at stake. There's too much at stake. If it's not in the book, I don't want it. And the first thing that we do when we decide to pray, I want you to hear me, the first thing that we do when we decide to pray and seek God, we get our antennas up. How are we going to be in tune with his will throughout the day when we haven't connected with him at the start of the day? 
I'm not trying to beat you up saying, oh, God is done with you, or God can't use you if you don't pray in the morning. But what I'm telling you is this. You will have a spiritual attune, and you will be receptive, and your antennas will be dialed in. And you could literally be walking through a mall or a sea of people, and God singles somebody out, and with laser-like focus, you go right to that person because the Lord has led you. Why? Because you know his voice, and you're tapped in. And he said, those that know my voice, they follow me. So, what do we got to pray, God? Make me more generous. Whew. Who would be bold enough, daring enough, faith-filled enough to make that declaration in prayer? Make me more generous. My God, help me today. I feel the Holy Ghost already. Because I didn't say, God, give me a new car. I didn't say, God, give me a bigger house. I didn't say, God, give me my boo or bay. I didn't say any. I didn't say, God, heal me of this and heal me of that. What I said is, God, make me more generous. Who be willing? You know why it's so tight right now? Because we're preaching about generosity. Normally, we're biting chunks out the ceiling. I ain't mad at nobody. But you know why it's tight? Because we preach about generosity. And generosity does not jive with our flesh. It doesn't jive with our carnality. But we've been called to make a difference. This kingdom is not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And there's room for everybody in the kingdom. And that's only going to happen when we're generous. Make us more generous. Woo! Who will pray that? Somebody lift their hands for a moment. Somebody lift their hands and just tap into that. Who will be willing to be bold enough, daring enough to say, God, make me more generous. Make me more generous, God. Woo! That prayer will change your life. And prayer is essential if we're going to be aware of the opportunities around us. Doesn't make sense. But if we're going to be generous to others because of God's love for us, shouldn't we start by inviting him into our day? Our world is loud. It's noisy. And we're going to need some help to tune our hearts to the opportunities God has for us. Listen to what Paul says in the Romans 12 too, but in the New Living. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Paul is saying, invite God in to transform you the way you think. <laughs> invite him in. Invite him in. Let him renovate the way we think about people. Let him renovate. See, see when, you, when, you, when you begin to say, God, help me to see the best in others, all of a sudden you don't care about the political affiliation. Y'all not going to help me this afternoon. It's okay. You don't care about the color of their skin. You don't care about their age. You don't care about their education. You don't care about what they can do for you or what they can't do for you. You just understand you're on a mission from God to reach everybody, to love everybody, and to let them know there's a place for them at this table called grace. Praise God. Praise God. So let me tell you. Here's what happens. Awareness always begins with a shift in perspective. 
This is how awareness is going to happen for some of us. It's going to start with a shift in your perspective. Woof. You ever had that moment where you see things differently? What's that song? I can see clearly now the rain. Oh, oh. y'all got it. Come on. Go ahead and say obstacles in my, you can see it. You can see it. See, when God shifts and gives us a new perspective, we all of a sudden are no longer focused on ourselves. Let me tell you what we do right now. We be walking through life selfie mode. That's what we do. We like, oh, look, we'll be with people having dinner or out in the park, and we be like this, y'all go ahead. And be, I mean, just, I don't know what y'all be doing. I don't know what y'all, <laughs> I mean, and we'll take like 500 pictures, scrolling through it, edit it by 5,000 layers, post it. I'll be looking like, now who is that? The profile name says so-and-so. Anyway, praise God. We'd be walking around in selfie mode. What am I saying? And I ain't mad at y'all because I done taken a few selfies. I done taken a few. But ain't this big head, I'd be, I'd be like this. Just to get it in. Otherwise, it's just like a total eclipse. What am I saying? Self-centeredness is our default setting. It's our default. Yeah, help us, God. Self-centeredness is our default. And from there, it keeps us from being aware of the opportunities around us. We need to start developing awareness by spending time with God, who created our hearts, our redeemed nature to be generous in the first place. Okay, I'm going to shift your perspective right now. I'm going to shift it by the grace of God. Look at Exodus 20, verse 1. Remember the first commandment. Remember the first commandment. We're going to shift our perspective from here. That's rough. No, that's not rough. Praise God. Let me see. That's that negative talk. I can't have that in Jesus' name. Praise God. I am what I am by the grace of God. Praise God. So listen. Remember the first commandment. I didn't hear that. I really didn't hear it, but y'all cutting up. Don't make me come over there. Call y'all up. Exodus 21, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. I'm about to shift your perspective. I'm about to shift your perspective. Somebody can shout and be free here in just a minute. Watch this. Watch this. Deuteronomy 6.4, hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. So you want to know how you shift your perspective? Put God first. First. God comes first in everything. God comes first in everything. 
God comes first in everything. I'm going to say it one more time. God comes first in everything. Woo. Let me just help you all out real quick. I'm going to bless some of you all. You know what? Put God first on your job. Oh, my God. Put God first in your relationship. Put God first in your academic pursuits. Put God first in your dreams and destiny. Put God first in your purpose. Good. Put God first in your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This is a principle all throughout the Bible. God comes first. And since he comes first, the first things belong to God. God's always interested in first. I don't even have time to go on this. This is a sermon all by itself. But God doesn't want what's left. God wants what's first. Do you understand that there was a reason the curse, a curse, excuse me, came upon the people of God in the Old Testament? It's because they would go in and they would take a city and they didn't give God. They didn't give God the first of the spoils. And so therefore, God cursed the whole camp because of the sin of Achan. He stole, from God. he stole from God what belonged to him. Are you listening to me this afternoon? The first always represents the best. And if you want to know with the most precious oil that flows from the olive, it's not the second press or the third press. It's the first press. Oh, Jesus. If you want to know which animal is best, it's not the second or the third born. It's always the first born. Why did God allow death to come upon all of Egypt's firstborn? It's because Egypt had put their confidence in their firstborn. It was who they thought they would raise up in the future to continually rule and dominate and make slaves out of Israel. That's why. He allowed death to come upon all of Egypt's firstborn. Not only that, but it was the firstborn lamb that was required. The blood upon the lentils and the doorposts that caused the death to pass over. And he didn't stop at Israel's house because there's power in first. The point I'm trying to make is when we shift our perspective and recognize that he is first, he doesn't want your leftovers. He doesn't want my leftovers. I can take you to Malachi chapter 1. Look at it when you have a moment. And I can remind you that God was pretty hot with the people. Because what they were doing is they were bringing sacrifices to God. Watch this. They're bringing sacrifices to God. But here's the problem. It's not that they weren't bringing a sacrifice or an animal for sacrificial worship. It's that they went into their fields and they got the lambs that nobody wanted. One would be crippled, one would be blind, one would be blemished. And instead of giving God the firstborn and the purest, they got, they got the leftovers to present to God. They trotted it to the temple and they gave God what they would not even give a governor. And God said, you want to bring me this kind of offering? Shut the whole thing down. Read it, it's right there. He said, shut the whole thing down. He said, am I not worthy of your best? God didn't want your rundown sacrifice. He doesn't want your lame praise. 
He doesn't want your blind praise. God wants you and I to bring him the very best that we have. He wants the first, not the last, and not the leftovers. One of the things we're building at Extraordinary Church is we are not building a culture of consumers. We are building a culture of contributors, people who have come to make a difference. But here's what we think. We think we can go around and write reviews about churches like we do restaurants. Help us, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Let me check out the lights. Let me check out the pastor, what he got on, what he done on, how to praise me. Let, me. let me give a review. You give a review like you're a restaurant critique. Why? See, and I know right now, I'm not trying to upset our first-time guests. Come back. <laughs> Please understand what I'm saying. And if you don't give us a review, give us a five-star review in Jesus' name. And if you haven't given us a review and you feel like we got a five-star review in your spirit, give us a five-star. If you haven't given us a review, Bella, go on Google, not right now, right after church, and give us a five-star review. Praise God. You know what I'm saying? God is not interested in our leftovers. And we can't come to consume. I'm not here to run anybody off, but I want the power and the glory of God to show up every time we meet. And the only time that's going to come, when we come with a sacrifice of praise. I know I was going to teach this thing, but I feel like preaching for a minute. I didn't come in here broke, busted, and disgusted to give God something weak and anemic. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, I've come to give my God a praise. I've come to give him my best praise. I've come to give him glory and honor. Don't tell me you're too tired. Don't tell me you're too, you can't focus. Don't tell me it's too loud. We will go to concerts, sit outside in the rain, get in line hours before and bake. I come in three degrees darker. Pay money, good money. Won't complain about the temperature. Won't complain about the sweat. Won't complain about the discomfort. Won't complain about how loud it is. Thank you, Pastor Barry. And you know, pay good money. And then when I come to the house of God, I'm tired. When is he going to be done yelling? What are we eating for dinner? Scrolling. The devil is a liar. I have not come to give God something cheap. I've come to give him my best praise because of what he's done in my life. I'm going to give him the all of who I am. I'll give him all of my worship. I'll give him all of my thanks. I'll give him all of my praise. I'll give him all of who I am. Jesus, be glad with my worship. Let's all stand. He doesn't deserve our leftovers. An extraordinary God deserves an extraordinary praise. He deserves our best praise. He deserves our first praise. He doesn't deserve our leftovers. I want people at this church, I want us to have the kind of worship experience that draws and detracts people from all walks of life. You know how I feel. This gospel is for everybody. 
every shade, every color, every creed, every ethnicity, I don't, every orientation, there is room for you here at Extraordinary Church. What am I saying? There is room for us at the cross. But some of us got it backwards. When we'll fight mosquitoes the size of pterodactyls outside at a concert venue. And we'll get to swarming and flying, and we come to church and we're like, well. Go to a baseball game, and we'll jump over three or four rows to get a foul ball. Could potentially break a leg, trample over women and children to get a ball and be like, I got it, I got it. And we have Jesus and we like this. We'll go to a basketball game and be chest bumping strangers. High-fiving, going crazy over somebody who put a leather ball through a hoop. When the God of glory The God of glory who inhabits our praise comes in and we'll give him a little, well, this is the best I got, Jesus. But those raptors and we the north, you're going to turn up for them? The devil is alive. I'm going to let the world know that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm telling you it's for everybody. And since he... Since he hung on a tree and died for me, for all of the world to see, I won't be ashamed of what he's done in my life. I'll declare him to be God and God alone. I'll give him my best. You won't have to beg me. You won't have to cajole me. And when people come here, you know what's going to change their life? And I know it might... I know you might be like, well, Pastor Keel, you're taking this so far. How about we just be rabid, passionate, Bible-believing followers, generous with our praise, generous with our love for one another. Mm. You know, I feel something for a moment. I, I, Feel the Holy Ghost here for a moment. Let me tell you something right now. I'm, I'm preaching on generosity. But you know we got to have, Bella, you know my heart. You've, you've heard me say it over and over in our staff meetings. But this is so important, Elvis. We have to have generosity toward others. Love for others. Others. Do you realize how difficult it is to live for Jesus Christ in this day and age? When people are new in their faith, which most of us are relatively young in our faith, when they come, we should be generous with our affection, generous with our attention. Let me just help you right now. This is my heartbeat, and I'm going to stop preaching, but I'm standing right in front of the camera because we got a lot of people on vacation. We got a, we got a great turnout, but a lot of people on vacation. But I just, I want everybody to see me right now. We must learn to love everybody. 
and love goes out of its way. Love does not say, come here, Maxine. Come here, Heather. Praise God. Come here, Pastor Barry. Love does not say, you know what? It's us four and no more. I'm I'm a pastor some of y'all. You know, because we go out to eat every Sunday, but nobody else can join us. You better not invite nobody else. I'm on it, ain't I? I'm on it. I know, Jordan. You know what, Dolly? I like you a lot because you gave me a birthday shout-out. Come on up here. I'm going to let you in. Praise God. My birthday's tomorrow, so she hadn't forgotten. Praise God. Ain't no more room for none of y'all, though. Andy, stop clapping. You're welcome. I'm just kidding. This is not the will of God. This is not the will of God. If we got a good thing going, you know what Maxine says? I don't know that guy right there. That tall guy just worshiping, always said, I was like, that's Douglas. You want to invite Douglas? Douglas, come on and be with us. Praise God. I love that. Yeah, you see that? You see how he embraced Douglas? And then we were like, man, Dolly, like, what about that brother got that hat on backwards? God's doing something in his life. I'm like, that's Tim. You ain't linked up with Tim. Tim, come on up here. Praise God. This is what generosity does. And then you know what? Man, then you're like, well, man, look, just see how everybody's smiling when you're a part of something? It feels good to be a part of something. You know, we'll be talking, and you know who else would enjoy this? I'm like, man, y'all, if y'all met Logan, man, Logan, come on up here, Logan. My boy Logan, right next to the dot. Look at that. We're all, we're all in this together. And generosity is not exclusive. Generosity is inclusive. Everybody is welcome here at Extraordinary Church. And not just welcome to attend. Let me help you out. They need to be welcome at your house, at your lunch table, at your dinner table, in your backyard. Make room for everybody. Praise God. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is not, well, help me, Jesus. We got to get this right now. We got to get this right now. If we're going to reach the world, then there is no length we won't go to to include somebody. Especially, the Bible tells us that we should do especially good to those that are of the household of faith. So in other words, when I know people believe, you know what I'm going to do? I'm like, oh man, I got to do really good. Come on in, come on in, come on in. We got to be generous. Can the church say amen? For all those that are watching online, I bless you in Jesus' name. I preached entirely too long. I'm so sorry. Come back and see us in person next Sunday. Last thing I want to say. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.